welcome to the Bully Pew Podcast. I am driving through, as you know if you listen to this podcast, as usual driving across the metropolitan Denver area. The weather is terrific today, which is a nice change of pace because I felt like it's... I've lived in Seattle, Colorado for a little while. It's been, you know, a lot of rain, a lot of rain, which is always, it's always good, but it's always at the, seems like it's always at the most inconvenient time, right when I'm trying to, you know, ride a bike or be outside or, or travel or whatever, and, and, and uh, then it stops raining when it's the most convenient time. Um, I guess it's just, that's just how it works, but you are listening to the program where, well, it's called the Bully Pew Podcast, and I try not to make that term or this show about bullying people, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to take an exception this time around. Uh, there's an issue that it, it, it crops up about every, I don't know, six months or so, and we have to discuss it again and deal with it again. And those of you who are regular listeners to this program or protest you tonight or you read Protestia, you've probably heard us discuss this before, and yet, um, well, we're going to have to discuss it again, and I want to add a little bit of maybe additional information or additional things to ponder and to think about, and that that is the issue of how we go about uh, thinking and discerning and working through issues um, in, you know, the way that we argue, the way that we debate the way that we um, hopefully exercise Christian maturity in the way that things are handled. Um, some of you may have heard my um, analysis thus far of the the Oliver Anthony phenomenon, which now that it's like you know a few weeks down the road, as as is uh, the way things happen in 2023, I fully expect him to just kind of disappear because apparently that's how things go now. You know, something something gets a lot of attention, the media talks about it, and two seconds later it's gone. They're on to something else, and the citizenry is on to something else as well because, as we know, um, we're all journalists now too, and we're all uh, content creators. I mean, that's the nature of social media all of the the things that one could pay attention to or the places that one could get information and entertainment and all of these things is now highly democratized. It's not just... And, and that has its good things and its bad things, of course. But it's like the places you get your information now, it's not just through quote-unquote reputable news sources. It's not even through... Um, you know, news information sources that have uh, have skin in the game per se. I mean, e- even when we would we would criticize, you know, 10, 20 years ago, we criticized mainstream media for uh, you know being being shills for the government or you know pushing out things with a narrative or you know not paying attention to things that they should, not reporting on things because it was inconvenient for their particular political persuasion. They still had some skin in the game. It's like they're they still have a motivation to not be completely bonkers and terrible because they'll lose all their viewership and nobody will pay attention. Advertisers will stop advertising with them. You know, they they had they were playing the game for real, for keeps as professionals. And now, of course, I mean, in the mix is uh, all the way from still sort of that legacy media style of professionalism all the way uh, down to just average anonymous Joe on Twitter saying whatever he wants to say and the potential that people will take it seriously. And it might be, it's not that it might not be true, but it doesn't have to be true. 
and there's no pressure on Anonymous Joe to make it true, no, no market pressure, right? Worst thing that happens is that, uh, um, you know, people ignore it entirely. It's actually, that's worse than if people give it negative attention. Negative attention online, especially in the social media realm, is better than no attention at all. And what does that do? Well, that, that motivates people to, um, to put out the most uh, obnoxious, the most uh, uh, um, sort of invasive, uh, the, most, the most radical and extreme expression that they can um, to, to get attention. It, it's about attention. There's, there's nothing worse on social media than getting zero attention. You'd rather get negative attention. Because along with the negative attention, along with attention in general, you're going to have some, some fellow crazies that come along and they support what you're saying as well. That's just, so that's the nature of the, how th- these things go. And, of course, the, the victim in all of it is, is truth itself. The victim in all of it is, um, and, and w- what we hope is that if you get enough engagement, enough communication, enough back and forth, that the truth will be made known, uh, that the truth will work its way to the top, and, um, and, and that it overall will be a good thing and much better than the alternative, which is to try to, to censor truth or have, uh, you know, people who are supposedly in positions of authority who decide what we get to hear and what we don't get to hear. That's, that's the, the other option, um, to make this situation better. And that's even worse. So we don't want that, but we do have to acknowledge that along with the internet in the information age comes this this ability for anything true or not true to be out there and and of course varied shades of that um you know things that are i mean it could be willie mclaurin's um you know former uh, ec president spc ec president willie mclaurin's um resume who knows how true that is that might be 100 percent false it might be partially false it might have snippets of truth he might have gone to the schools and just not graduated or he might not have gone to him at all and just picked names off a, off a list i don't know but that's the in in into that environment comes everything that is quote-unquote viral everything that sort of catches our attention and um, all of a sudden everybody's talking about it. it's the novel thing it's the next thing that we can pay attention to and and of course at the same time all weigh in on everybody's opinions important on this stuff and you know I'm, I'm n- no different than anybody else as far as that goes uh, yeah we try to obviously we try to formalize it a little bit more we try to to be a, um, a little bit more uh, intentional a little bit more professional with the way we do it because that's that's just you know, that's part of having a website. That's part of, of putting media out there um, under a business, under a name, under, under um, you know, an institution of sorts. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the same. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. They're trying to opinionate. They're trying to get their views out there. They're trying to have people see them and agree with them. And hopefully if they're good people and, and you know, and, or they're trying to do the right thing at least, uh, they're encouraging open discussion open debate about these things that's and again i mean that that can be from a proper motivation of of wanting to learn and grow um and promote the truth it can be also from a selfish motivation of hey discuss open discussion and these things um gets my gets gets me more attention or gets my outlet more views or um you know gets keep keeps more viewership makes people happy um there's always that tension when it comes to public speech and certainly in the media um and and into that uh, came what well, last week uh, with the the Oliver Anthony um, 
phenomenon. I think I called it that a few times. The Oliver Anthony phenomenon. Um, I had a little bit, as some of you know, I had a different take on it, a little bit different take on it, a more skeptical take on, on what was going on. Not on the person himself. I don't know him. I don't know his, I don't know his background. People that think they know his background or only think that because of what they read on the internet. They, they, they're assuming they want to believe in some of the things that they read. And there, there's nothing wrong with that particularly, but that's not how, that's a dangerous way to approach it, isn't it? I mean, if, if you, if, I mean, believing what you, what you see on the internet merely because you want it to be true is exactly how people are manipulated on the internet. That is the, that is the equation and it works every time, which is why it continues to be repeated over and over and over. Um, how many things, how many things are put out on the internet and even fool, you know, mainstream media journalists and things like this for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that was 100% fake. Nothing about that was true. Or, um, that had a smidge of truth to it, but it was embellished and recontextualized and turned around to make it seem like it's something that it wasn't. This happens all the time. And part of the reason that ministries like Protestia exist are because the, the, the battlefield in the arena of ideas has changed and the rules have changed and they move constantly. And we try to offer, of course, uh, really just mostly, almost entirely, believe it or not, as much as, much as people tend to think that we were somehow um, instigators or we're, we're embellishing or making stuff up or digging up dirt on people, it's not mostly that. Mostly it's just chronicling. Mostly it's, like we say in the tagline, it's cataloging. It's cataloging uh, evangelical mischief makers. It's, it's, you know, providing that record so that discerning Christians can go and say, what, what do I need to know about this preacher? What, what, what do I need to know about this church? Are there troubling things here? Should I be concerned? It's, it's, it's impossible uh, for any one person or even any ministry like ours to, to see it all and, and write it all. But we do have this, this, um, this miracle of, in, of, of digital you know, storage technology that we can use to keep that information um, in an organized fashion keep that information for years and years and years so that we can go back to it and you can go back to it and people can know people and people can trace um their you know their favorite teachers or churches or things that you know you know topics things they're interested in um within the evangelical conversation and what we what we hope what we're always praying for is that because we are evangelical christians because we're believers in jesus christ that that framework that um, our worldview assumptions, they inform what we find to be important to report and talk about. Um, but at the same time, hopefully, they inform how we work through information and how we encourage readers and fellow believers and concerned Christians to think about things. It's not, and we talked about this before, um, it's not just about necessarily knowing the right doctrine or uh, versus false doctrine in and of itself. It's also about, okay, how do you apply that? How do you use that as a measuring stick for uh, what you read, what you consume, um, the approach that you take when it comes to trying to discern um, what's going on day to day in light of what you know to be true scripturally, what you know to be true from God's revelation. 
So when, when something like um, an Oliver Anthony phenomenon comes along, um, I mean, first of all, you don't have to have a view on it at all. It's not, this, this isn't something that because everybody's talking about that all of a sudden has to affect your life somehow. It doesn't. I mean, what I say right now on this podcast doesn't have to affect your life. You can turn this off right now, and um, it's not really going to change much about, about anything going forward for you. I, 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 you know, I accept that. I understand that. Um, that being the case, you know, hopefully what we do is, is edifying enough that you find it valuable and you stick with us, but I don't pretend um, that we're in some sort of special category. That's That's... That's narcissism. That's vanity. I mean, everybody maybe thinks that a little bit. I mean, that's why they're on social media all the time. Everybody's got to know what I think about this, and and of course, it makes them feel better. There's a there's a um, catharsis effect, a cathartic effect to getting on social media, inventing and and expressing something. You feel better. You feel like you feel like uh, the thing you're concerned about. You did something about it, even though of course we didn't. We just sort of expressed concern. Um, and and we, I mean, we have to keep that in mind when we're when we're working through information on the internet. None of it is necessary, you know, unless it is the word of God itself or or something that God has instructed you to do, commanded you to do in obedience to Him. Um, all the rest of it is is up for grabs. Take it or leave it. And that includes, I mean, I'll say it. That includes parachurch ministries like Protestia. If it's valuable to you. If it's edifying to you, if it's helping you be more informed, that's what we're going for. But there are all sorts of faithful believers out there um, doing what they're supposed to do, obeying the Lord, being used by Him in ministry that don't even know Protestia exists. That's true. And that's okay. That's okay. It's not, we, we get this feeling that because the internet exists, somehow we should have universal appeal and universal reach and, and everybody's got to, um, you know, be the benefactors of whatever's going on in our heads. And that, that simply isn't the case. Um, I, I say that to say, um, there are a lot of believers out there who I, who I think are fairly mature in this, in this realm. Like they, they get it at least on paper. And they say they get it. Um, they know that they're supposed to um, to navigate by the word of God and navigate by uh, using their mind and being discerning and testing things and not by their emotions. They know that and they'll say it. And yet they do have their own, uh, their own standard for the point at which their emotions um, enter the picture as a... Um, an adjudicating, um, an adjudicating device, or as a as a way to know truth, as an arbiter of what is true. So, so there are, there are believers out there, and and I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to put you on blast a little bit here. It's 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 there are readers of Protestia, and and people who are discernment minded, and are really they're they're with us and. Um, in terms of a lot of the things that we say and the way that we work through things and the importance that we place on being discerning, just like scripture puts a huge emphasis on being discerning in the same way. Um, they're in that camp with us and yet they have, they, they still have a point, a point or a topic or whatever, where they, they have determined for themselves that, Hey, once it goes this far, or once the discussion enters this area, then all of a sudden my standards for adjudicating truth, my standards for discernment change. 
they shift once and you know we all um, are emotional beings right we all uh, feel things about certain topics we feel strongly we, we experience um, you know anger and indignation and joy and um, you know compassion and concern and, and these things we all do that but at no point are those things supposed to replace um, objective analysis via the Word of God in terms of determining what's right and wrong and, det- and, and even determining um, what our position might be on something or how we're going to look at it or, or see it. And yet, we all, I'm probably in this, in this camp as well, we all have that breaking point where all of a sudden we feel so strongly about something that we are convinced, 100% convinced, that now our feelings are truth. Once I feel strong enough, or once the topic is something that that um, I really um, take personally, or it affects me personally, uh, once once the discussion enters that realm, all of a sudden I shift my my point of discernment from um, stepping back and using my mind, stepping back and really really taking account of what is verifiably true, uh, what is likely true, what, what is merely my own reaction and me taking it personally or me um, being emotional about it for whatever reason, we step back from that and we, we stop analyzing on that level and we start using our feelings. And we start, we start making judgments in ways that scripture does not, not indicate is, are, are proper. We've talked about this many times, the, this idea of testing things by looking to the fruit you know and and when when we look to the fruit this is the fruit that we can observe it's 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 things that we know we we're, we're not uh you know we're, we're not omniscient we don't know the true condition of anybody's heart you can't you can't know that what you can do is use your brain and analyze what you're seeing and what you're hearing versus what you know to be true from the word of god that's how the process goes. There's no guarantee that even even exercising that process, there's no guarantee that somehow that's going to make you know everything about a person. And that, I mean, that that's the difference between a judgment of fruit, of behavior, of speech, of, of confession, and a judgment of the condition of somebody's heart. And when we let go of our of our standard for discernment when we let go of our of our ability or our willingness or our commitment to analyzing something based off of the facts what we what we see what we can actually demonstrate with evidence when we let that go um, be, because you know we feel so strongly about it or because you know it, it affects us so much personally and we replace that with navigating by emotion and of course, it always works this. By the way, it always works this way. When when somebody flips from, I'm going to work through this logically. I'm willing to work through it logically. To um, I I am now judging this based off of emotion, and I'm assuming things because I feel a certain way. Um, they have they have basically already decided their position on whatever the whatever the the contentious issue happens to be. They've already decided their position. They've set up camp and, and now they're going to, uh, um, 
indiscriminately fire their emotions all over the place in defense of that position. There's no reasoning with this person anymore. There's the, the, their emotions they have determined for, for, you know, whatever issue this is, are the trump card for every and anything that might contradict what they've decided is true. They've decided it's true. They have, they have set up a, an emotional barrier around themselves to defend what they've decided is true. And now um, nothing can get through because emotions, um, emotions don't play by the rules. Somebody's emotions when they're defending their position, don't, they don't play by the rules. They manipulate and they move and they recharacterize and, and objectivity is out the window. And, and, and I mean, one of the most typical ways that, that this defense is done, this emotionalized defense is done, is they stop looking at the actual um, issue at hand or what's being discussed and start looking at the people discussing it. All of a sudden, the, you know, this is where the ad hominem attacks come in. This is where the, the character attacks come in. This is where the heart judgments come in. Rather than staying on the... Um, the nature of the evidence or the argumentation surrounding the actual issue itself, they decide that they are going to put the the person discussing on trial instead. Because after all, I mean, if if you've come to a position that they disagree with, uh, that must mean something about you on a on a heart level, on a on an ontological level. It's, it's something wrong with who you are. Um, it's a fundamental issue with you, and so now you're fair game. And of course, the person adjudicating logically would would say, you know, if if they really um, are con- convinced in their position, then they have evidence for it, and they can back it up in argumentation, in in the back and forth. Um, they they don't think that way. They don't need to put you on. In other words, they don't need to put you on trial. They don't need to, they don't need to to attack you because your point is bad. They can they can disassemble your point. And that's always the better way to do it because the goal is supposed to be to get you to agree with them. Right? I mean if you really believe the the position that you're taking is true and true to the point where you're willing to um, express it to others who disagree with you and engage in debate and argumentation with those who disagree with you, your goal is to get them to change their mind. So it's, it's, not, it's not winning a debate so that hey, now everybody can see how smart I am. Look how smart I am because there, there's no idea that we're debating that somehow originated with us. There's no, I mean, yeah, people do that. I mean, people, especially public figures, try to come up with novel interpretations of things and slight variations on on long-standing truth so they can sort of develop their own voice and their own brand. I mean, I get that that's the case, but fundamentally, the, the underlying fundamentals of all these debates are things that, um, that have already been um, discussed, already been posited, already been stated by other people. Um, and, and so it's not... It's not winning a debate is not so much about saying, hey, everybody accept my new truth, you know, my new, my new revealed combination of things that nobody's ever thought of before. It's more like trying to convince that person, you know, you're seeing this wrong. You're seeing this wrong. You're interpreting this wrong. And I'm going to argue with you because I want you to change your mind. I want you to agree with my position. And as Christians, we're trying to, we're trying, we argue, um, 
on the validity of God's word to get other professing believers to repent of um, believing or proclaiming things that are in opposition to God's word. So we start with the word as the standard, and then we note and, and take issue with those who are saying things that oppose God's word, saying things that are against God's word, saying things that are in error, and we wrestle with it. We wrestle with them. We debate them. We contend for the truth with the hope that they'll that they'll change their mind, that they'll repent, that they will they they will um, stop believing and professing falsely and believe what the Word of God teaches and profess that instead. That's what this is about. Um, and at no point, at no point, can emotionality and how we feel about something become the arbiter for truth. At no point, I mean, the, the heart is deceitful. It's, it's wicked, and that, that human nature is still there. Um, the logical, the, our logical faculties go to the immovable Word of God. And, and we analyze things on that basis. Our emotions are fickle. They move around. I mean, you know, if, if you're willing to step back and, and analyze your own nature, you know this to be true. You know that there have been plenty of times in your life where you felt something so strongly, you were sure, you were sure you were right about it. You were sure that that you, that you had um, gauged the situation correctly because, you know, there's no way you could feel this strongly about it if it wasn't right. And then lo and behold, you were wrong. I mean, I, I, I had a moment like this just a few days ago, so I know that this happens. And by the grace of God, uh, he uh, brought that to my attention, not audibly. I don't, I'm not a charismatic where I think God's talking to me all the time. But in his grace, it came to my attention that, um, that I wasn't looking at the situation dispassionately. I was looking at the situation um, through the lens of my emotions and my desires and my feelings about something. And the, the, the course that I was on was wrong. It, w- it was not um, it, it was not taking into account all of the all of the elements, all of the moving pieces, all of the information. Be, because frankly, I didn't want to. I felt a certain way about it, and um, gosh darn it, I was going to get I, I was going to set things right and make myself feel better. And and man, it would have felt so much better in that moment to just tee off, to just and 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 yet. Um, in stepping back and saying, I, I can tell at this point I am, I'm working through this and adjudicating this emotionally. That's not what I should be doing. Um, that's not what God's word instructs. Um, I, I step back, I look at it, you know, logically at that point, I realize there's a, there's a different way. There's a way more in accordance with, uh, the example, um, set forth in God's word. And thank God, because, I mean, the result was so much better. It was so much more God-honoring. And unfortunately, we're still... I I think we're going to be talking about this routinely. We're going to try to be, you know, hopefully not a long-form podcast every single time. But certainly, um, it's going to be part of the discussion. And we try to make it part of the discussion when people... uh, When we see people doing this. Um, It is not... The, is not Christian behavior. It's not loving behavior to um, to engage in debate or engage in argumentation or confront somebody with 
the way you feel about something being the, the, uh, um, your judgment about it. Your feelings are not truth. No matter how strongly you feel something, if that feeling is not backed up by uh, objective, logical application of the Word of God and the truth of Scripture, it isn't true. Nothing is true. Now, it's not that you can't feel things and, and experience emotion that is in accordance with truth, but it always comes second. Always. If what you are feeling, the emotions you're feeling are true, if you have um, an emotional judgment that you've made, if you want to say it that way, if it is true, it will not be standing alone. It will not be, it won't be, I feel this and, and therefore it's right. And when somebody asks, okay, well, why? And can you back that up? Show me the evidence, you know, lay this out plainly. You can't do it. Um, it, it, true emotions will never stand on their own. They will always be backed up by evidence, always be backed up by here's why, here's why I feel this way. And that doesn't mean, I mean, we're going to feel things all the time. And the Bible teaches us this. We're going to feel things all the time that deceive us, that that try to make sense and try to, to wrap up um, what we observe into a truth that we can hold on to that isn't even that, that winds up not being true. We, I mean, our emotions and our feelings must be captive to um, the logical application. Uh, um, the use of our minds and application of the Word of God. Um, in terms of, I mean, I mentioned the, the Oliver Anthony phenomenon a few times, and, and basically I got some reaction. Let's say it this way. I don't need to point out people specifically because it's really not the point of this. I'm taking issue with the the approach and the, um, the, the, the fact that uh, we can often as Christians say one thing and hold to certain principles and yet in practice do something else. Uh, we're all at risk of this. But in terms of that situation, I got some feedback that was in the realm of, you don't care about this guy. You know, your your analysis of uh, his song and other things he said and your opinion about this um, shows that you don't care. You have no compassion. You, you, you don't understand him and you're unwilling to. Um, and to that, I would answer uh, two things. Number one, we don't know we don't know him. Okay, let me get that out there. We don't know we don't know this guy. Um, he might be on his way to being a believer. He might never become a believer. He might say a bunch of true things and then some dumb stuff. We don't know. And and even guess what? Even all of that, and and what you supposedly know about him from uh, what he says or his background or this and that, you don't know if any of that's true. I mean, unless you were there to watch it, right? Un- un- unless it has been um, investigated and, and uh, researched and, and, and evidence out there, we don't know what people say on the internet is true just because they said it. You don't know that what I say is true just because I said it. You need to test what I say. Don't just take it, oh, you know, I, I trust David. You know, I've been listening to him for a while. He, he's got a, a, a you know... We, we believe in the reputation of what they're doing. We know they have a, a solid uh, a confession of faith. Um, that's, that's not good enough. I mean, that's certainly good enough you know, for, for you to trust, hopefully, us with your time, that, that you're going to come here expecting to uh, find value and, and blessing in, in what's being done. But that, that doesn't mean that I can't err. 
that doesn't mean that um, I'm going to say things that, that you should just take with with no um, no questioning. I mean, and and the Oliver and Anthony thing is a great example of this. Like there were people who who I who I trust because we you know we've been you know, they've been around for a while um, as supporters of this ministry that that took issue with some of the stuff I said. Great, we're all adults. We're all believers. We can have those discussions without chopping each other's heads off. We can have those discussions without abandoning what we know to be the biblical standard for discernment, which is application, logical application of the Word of God to the present situation. We don't, we don't have to, even if something I said tweaks your emotions, you, you, it makes you angry, you feel bad about it. You, you're disappointed because you thought I'd never say something that you disagree with. Whatever that case is, um, we don't have to, as mature believers, we don't have to ever abandon um, our the biblical standard for discernment. Even the biblical standard for agreeing to disagree. You know, placing those things, um, those second tier, third tier, fourth tier issues in their place and still... Um, fellowshipping together and treating each other um, as brothers and sisters in Christ should. We don't have to do that. And and fortunately, I didn't see a lot. There was a little bit of that, honestly, but not a lot. Most people, even those that disagreed with me, were kind of shocked that that, that's, that, that kind of behavior was going on. Um, and yet, I mean, that's why we're addressing it now. That's why we're talking about it now. But... The, the to to replace and 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 what I did I mean some if you want to go look it up you certainly can you can I mean for those of you that are on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now um, if you want to go find this you certainly can if you follow me as I'm at co conservative seven that's my Twitter handle and 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 basically because we got some you know pretty strong negative feedback about about that specific podcast um, I went back through it because I, I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure that, uh, um, that if I was answering this, that I was sure about what I said and what I meant. And so I went back through it and listed, like, all right, here are the main points that I made in this 45 minutes or so that I talked about this. Okay, which, which, which of these are you taking issue with? Which do you disagree with? Because, I, I mean, I guarantee out of the, I think I wrote, like, 19 points down in this Twitter reply. And, you know, some of the people that, that are patrons of Protestia that financially support this ministry that are with us in the battle, they're with us in the foxhole, um, would probably go down that list of 19 things and find find a few things that they, like, I don't really agree with you about that. Or I, I don't agree with, you know, exactly your take on this. Great. I mean, fine. You know, if, if we were saying, I don't agree with the way you characterize salvation, or I don't agree with the way that you characterize Jesus Christ, we're going to have a bigger problem. Or I don't agree with the way you characterized uh, human nature and sin. We have a bigger issue. But if it's like I, I really don't like agree with the way that you talked about um, in federal income tax in um, you know people at different income levels. Okay. I mean, for crying out loud, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be breaking fellowship over that, should we? I mean, disagree all day long. Correct me all day long if you want, or, or we'll have that discussion. And. And even at the end, we might agree to disagree. You might say, hey, I mean, I, like, I see your points on that, but I wouldn't have said it that way. Okay. Cool. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a million ways to say something. So it's, it's, they're, they're going to be some of that stuff. 
That's that's the nature of this. And and I've said I said this a long time ago, but I'm going to repeat it. I said this a long time ago. Excuse me, but I'm I'm going to repeat it. Um, if you can't handle that, if if you are not mature enough in the faith to handle somebody saying something in a way you don't quite like, or um, you can't handle. Um, maybe thinking that somebody's motives aren't quite right or their approach to it isn't right or that maybe the condition of their heart isn't quite right but you can't you can't necessarily point to where they actually erred and so you just have to make that assumption if you can't handle that then this this is not the arena to be engaged in you don't need to be in the synagogue with us debating debating theology and de- debating the uh, um, the issues of the day in with a, um, a a view towards discernment. I realize we're not in a literal synagogue, but you get my point. Like it's you. You need not be in the arena of ideas discussing scripture. It's not God honoring for you to emote all over the internet, to set aside your mind, and not engage in good faith and in good practice with with logical application, logical argumentation, solid logical reasoning and debating debating skills um it's not okay for you to set that aside and say well well, i feel strongly enough now my emotions are gonna uh, my my emotions have entered the chat my emotions have entered the debate my emotions are now going to tweet for me they're going to comment for me that's not okay it's not okay it's a sin actually it is a sin because it leads to deception it leads to false witness it leads to false characterization. It leads to um, assuming things and, and making judgments about people that you can't back up. The reason that we say that we, that we and it's, I, I, I almost said that we comfortably say, it's not comfortable, but the reason that we, um, that we confidently say the things we say are because that's where the evidence has pointed to. So when we say so-and-so is a false teacher, it's because they're teaching falsely. It's because we can see the evidence. When we say, oh, that, uh, that person's a false teacher, we don't believe that they're a Christian and we will not treat them as such. That's because that's what, that's what the fruit indicates, not because I can see into their heart. You know, I, I don't think that, um, I mean, to, to, to give a controversial example, I don't think that Tim Keller... Um, was not a Christian because somehow I had a, um, a microscope into his heart. I'm not omniscient. I don't know whether, whether Tim Keller is in heaven or hell right now. For sure, I don't know. I'm le- I lean one direction and I act and speak in accordance with it because that's what the fruit demonstrates. That's all. Um, and that's all any of us can do. Scripture does give different uh, instructions for how we are to approach believers, how we are to love believers versus unbelievers, um, how we are to approach um, and interact with lost people, how we are to approach and interact with uh, people who are claiming Christ and yet are practicing lawlessness. They're doing things in opposition to God's word. Um, we have instructions for all of this, and that none of those instructions presume that we can see into anybody's heart. Right? None of those instructions presume that we know for sure, oh yeah, that person's a Christian or not. They presume that we are doing our diligence in testing what we see in the same way we're, we're, we're to, um, 
to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. We're to look to the fruit in our own lives. We can and should look for that fruit in the lives of those around us. We are to test teaching that we hear, test proclamation that we hear. Um, look at uh, the behavior of, of those who we are um, going to decide are saved or not. And, and in terms of how we treat them. Not, not that we can make the decision, of course. But that, but that because we are instructed to act differently depending on someone's situation, we, we, have to, we have to determine by testing what we believe that situation to be. That's all we're doing. And that's what you should be doing as well. But you can't, um, as I sort of wrap this up, you can't use your emotions to do that. No matter how strongly you feel about something. It, not only is it sinful to treat other uh, Christians that way, but it's an offense to um, the objectivity and the, and the certitude and the, the epistemology, the way that we tell truth, um, that is God's model. Lay down the word. Why do you think the Bible is in the written word? It's, written, it's immovably in the written word it, because it doesn't move, it doesn't change. Um, and, and we can, God wants us to know the truth so we can interpret it and infer things from it that are true, that are solid, um, and that should be uh, standing above our emotions. Our emotions must always be informed by these things, and we must keep in mind always that emotions can be um, in accordance with truth, they can be legitimate, legitimately felt, um, or they can be illegitimate, and the arbiter for that, the determiner for that, is logical truth itself. So I, I hope that's helped you. Thank you for listening to this Bully Pew podcast. Um, we'll, we'll keep reminding folks of this because I think it's important, and continue to discuss this because I think it's important. Um, and, and I mean, it really is important and exposing it where we need to, and we'll, we'll try to do it patiently and with love, but at some some point, uh, we, we will not hesitate to um, drop the hammer, I suppose, if you want to say it that way, when we see it not being done correctly. And, and um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, if you see me doing that, you see us doing that, you will likewise point it out to me, like, hey, David, you, you are, you're being emotional here. You haven't thought this through. Now, that rarely happens because I, I just, it's just not what we do. And so, I mean, if, if you do that, don't be surprised if I make a point back saying, actually, this is why I think this. Here's some, th- do, you know, do you disagree with this? Do you think that I'm wrong here? Show me your evidence and I'll show you mine. Um, that's the process. And if we love each other, we'll do that patiently. We won't give up on each other, right? So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, patrons. You guys are awesome. Thank you for bringing this program to everybody um, and your your love for uh, for the church and for your fellow believers and for the mainly primarily the truth uh, of God's word. Uh, that love is shown um, in your support for what we're doing here. So I'll talk to you next time. As always, Semper Reformanda.